Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women of God who use their talents, passions, and gifts to honor and glorify God. And we have a great episode this week. We talked to Danae Ziegel. Danae does fitness. She does um, public speaking. She does all sorts of great ministry things, trying to reach people in unlikely places. Uh, Sometimes we who go to church want to stay within those four walls. And Danae has been moved and motivated by God to go outside the walls of the church. Uh, and she was really touched by God in a uh, in an experience outside those four walls. And that's what has led her on her current path. And it was really a fun interview to get to chat with her, to talk to her about her current path that God has set her on. An unlikely path, one that she never saw coming, But uh, she's a lovely young woman, and I really encourage you to listen to this interview. Uh, Follow her on Facebook and on Instagram, and just get to know what Danae Ziegel is doing. And she's somebody that can come out to your church and your event and provide a wonderful and a powerful speech. And we get to talk to her in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that, yes, I know it's still kind of in the middle of summer, and we're not really looking towards the holiday season yet. But those big events take months of planning. As somebody that's been planning PureFest for a a full year now, I know that these events take time to prepare for. So as you're getting ready for your year-end events, your fall events, maybe even your early spring events in 2020, you're looking for great talent, great entertainment. Let me suggest Well-Versed Comedy. We do clean comedy that's safe for all ages. Uh, we come intentionally to not offend, to make sure that everyone can enjoy comedy together. We do improv, which means that every single show is completely different. We never do the same show twice. It's all based on the audience. So your group, your um, whether it's your company, whether it's your church, whether it's your youth group, whatever the group may be, whatever the audience may be, they dictate the flow of the show, because we feed off of their suggestions. We feed off of their energy. So every show is completely unique. Every show is completely customizable. And we want to do that for you and for your event coming up this winter, whether it's for a holiday event, maybe next spring for uh, whatever event you may have, birthday parties, retirement parties, end of year celebrations, volunteer celebrations. We want to be a part of that and bring you clean entertainment that's going to be affordable for your budget and give your people a wonderful experience that they won't soon forget. Wellversedcomedy.com, wellversedcomedy.com to get in contact with us. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're at wellversedcmdy at Wellversed CMDY. And now let's get to our interview with Danae Ziegel right here on the Gifts of Glory podcast where we celebrate and promote men and women of God using their gifts, talents, and passions to honor and glorify God. And I'm now joined remotely by Danae Ziegel. Uh, Danae, uh, I hope I pronounced that right. I know that I was afraid before we reported that I would butcher, but I think I got it. How'd I do? <laughs> You did great. <laughs> uh, we connected. Uh, you found our podcast and you uh, gave your testimony uh, via email, and I was really intrigued by it and thought it was really a, uh, a great testimony. Um, but first, tell us about what you're doing now, what your ministry is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, right now I'm kind of in such a fun transition in life. 
uh, I do some remote jobs that just give me a ton of flexibility. So right now my main focus has just been um, going and traveling to different churches and different youth groups and doing um, just some speaking events. And on the side, I love to write. I love communication. I'm wildly passionate about the art of communication. Um, just because of how I grew up and just feeling so lost and confused about who God was. And, and uh, so I just love talking about God and, and sharing with others who he is in a way that's easy to understand and relatable, not this like big abstract kind of concept or idea. So I love to write. I write for um, God TV. And then um, I also wrote a ebook Bible study and um, I'm currently in the works of working on some other fun stuff too. Awesome. And um, how did you get into uh, speaking? What what, op- what door opened that led you to say, I want to go out and just talk to people? Gosh, that is a great question. So um, when I was 20, I think I was 20, I got involved uh, with a ministry called Next Step Ministries. And I went out to Los Angeles for a summer uh, to serve on Skid Row, actually. I don't know if you're familiar with Skid Row, but it's an area in downtown Los Angeles with, you know, about 13,000 homeless people in a span of eight blocks. Mm. And um, my role was to kind of be the the speaker for the week that youth groups would come and they would um, do mission trips on Skid Row. And so part of my job was, you know, educating people about the streets, but also um, being the main keynote speaker for the, their mission trip week. And so um, that summer, I think I delivered like over 55 messages back to back to wow. back to back, but I fell in love with it and just sharing my story. I just found so much healing, honestly, and, and being vulnerable and being real and just sharing about my life and, and the hard things and the real things, but the amazing things and the, and the growth points. And, and so it was a really special time and it kind of awoke this passion in me to, to continue to share about me and my story and to see God use um, some of the most painful things in my life for some of the most beautiful moments I've ever experienced since. Was well, there anything about working on Skid Row and, and doing those uh, the speaking engagements, you know, that many? What surprised you there? And maybe uh, talk about what may have changed in you by being in that uh, experience. Gosh, everything surprised me about Skid Row. <laughs> um, I so I I grew up kind of in northern Wisconsin, very not Skid Row ish, <laughs> mm-hmm. like grew up on a beautiful lake surrounded by forests. I had no idea what inner ministry, inner city ministry was. And I felt this prompting to, to go specifically to LA, specifically to the streets. And I had no idea why. And when I got there, honestly, I was like, I'm so out of my element. (laughs) And I remember walking the streets the, the first day I got there. And I mean, it was just an entirely new world. I, I remember you know, just seeing so many tents and so many kids playing, you know, there was kids running around with one shoe on and, and just all of this stuff. And I saw all this brokenness, but at the same time, I saw so much beauty. And I saw, you know, that these people aren't these projects, but they're actually just people. And they're so similar to me. And I remember walking the streets and, and God kind of planted this idea in me. And he said, Danae, that soul is just as important as your soul. 
And um, I have made some of my best friends out on those streets. And they're so valuable and they have so much to contribute to society. And um, gosh, it, it honestly changed, it changed my life. It absolutely marked my life. Um, and how I view people and how I view circumstances and how I view pain and how I view glory. Um, everything surprised me about the streets. <laughs> um, yeah, that yeah, was amazing. So that had to be uh, an incredible culture shock at first, coming from uh, Midwest and then going out to Skid Row, where you hear the word Skid Row and you hear the connotation that you know it's it's no man's land. It's not where you want to ever be, and uh, so it had to be a huge culture shock. How did you find yourself getting over that initial culture shock? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, Honestly, it it probably it, I I think God just gave me so much divine grace. Um, I am such a people person, and I and I love people so much. And and like I said, the more that I just talked to people and got to know people, not in the sense of like I'm trying to fix you or I have an agenda with you, but actually just having a conversation and getting to know people, I realized, wow, like actually they're so similar to me and there were parts of my story my personal testimony that I resonated so much with them because I remember a time in my life where where I felt like a criminal and I felt like the worst of the worst and the low of lowest of lows and so I could connect with these people on a really intimate level to where at the end of it all they didn't seem like you know the homeless people quote unquote but they actually seemed like brothers and sisters and, and friends to me friends that you would just hang out with in any other circle of, of life or any other, you know, location. So, yeah, I think that's kind of what helped. And I think you touched on something very important right there as far as ministry work. It's not about fixing people. Uh, we, you know, I think a lot of people consider that they aren't able to fix somebody, so why are they going to get into ministry? Where the fixing has got to be done by God. It's just we have to be the relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's pretty naive of us to feel like we're so powerful to, to, to save someone. You know, it's a savior complex. That's not our job. The Bible is so clear about what our job is. You know, it's to love God and love people. And um, yeah, he does the saving, <laughs> which is great, honestly. It takes a lot of the pressure off, I think, if you know, the results are not up to us. We just have to go and be obedient. Oh yeah, it's so it's so not high stakes when you when you have the right position, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it was incredible. Absolutely. So uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, we talked about what you're doing now and how it got started, but let's go further back to how it really got started. Uh, as comfortable as, as uh, you are with it, share your testimony, how you found the Lord, and uh, um, you know your your childhood and, and everything else that that led to you finding your relationship with God? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents, I always joke about this, but um, they put me in every church thing possible. <laughs> I tell people I was like oversaved, honestly. <laughs> so I remember 
being in Sunday school and my Sunday school teacher, you know, asking the class, hey, if, if um, anyone wants to invite Jesus into their heart, he'll make a home in it. And I remember thinking like, that's so weird, but you know, I wanted a Kit Kat. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm down. <laughs> and um, <laughs> from there, I guess, you know, I was knew about God at least. Um, and like I said, was put in every church program possible. You name it. I was in a, you know, vacation Bible school, Bible quizzing, believe it or not, I did that. Um, summer camps, mission trips, youth group, Christian sports camp, Christian, just anything that had the label Christian, I was in it, enrolled in it. And so growing up, I knew a ton about God, but I'll tell you, there's a big difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. Mm, absolutely. And, yeah. And so um, when all of this was happening, you know, I love my parents. They really did the best that they could. But uh, I grew up in a really performance-based household. And I think that's pretty typical just within our culture. You know, we're a culture that praises performance. Mm. And um and so from a very young age, I, I really wasn't great at school. <laughs> I was like the super active kid. And so it's so hard for me to like, you know, chill out in school. And I remember um, being in like first grade and I brought my report card home. And well, for some reason, the school did something different. They had graded based on uh, three different letter grades. And it was either you were satisfactory unsatisfactory or above average and um i remember bringing my report card home and i had a bunch of u's on it and i had no idea what that meant i was like in first grade mm. and my parents sat me down and they were like explaining to me hey like you are unsatisfactory in this area in this area in this area in this year and i remember as a first grader my heart just like sunk and just thinking like i couldn't differentiate oh i was unsatisfactory at math history whatever but I, was, I just thought in my head, like, man, like, I'm not good enough. Like, who I am is just not good enough. So I need to do something better to, to be better. And from that moment, there was this idea planted in my head that I had to perform to be known, to earn love, to earn affection, and to earn attention. And nobody explicitly said that to me, but that was what I kind of got. And from that moment, I, I started performing, you know, mm -hmm. I would look and I would study the things around me and I'd be like, okay, they're, that kid's getting praised. So, so I'm going to do what that kid's doing. And, um, and I would just, you know, I was just craving so much love and so much attention and so much affection. And, and my parents, like God bless them. They really did their best, but they were pretty disconnected from, from us. Um, my parents own their own business and they worked crazy hours. So we never really saw them as, as kids. And, um, you know, as a kid, you, you need your parents, you know, you need that relationship. You need that validation. And because I didn't feel like I got that unless I did some kind of crazy public performance, um, it just made, made this insatiable hunger for, for being noticed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you come with that performance mentality and how did God break you free of that? Or, or, or is it something you're still wrestling with today? Um, that's a great question. You know, uh, <laughs> it definitely took years 
because um, like I said, we live in a, in a culture that praises performance. And so the idea of I don't have to perform for love or I don't have to perform for attention or, or affection was something that I, it didn't start, I didn't even understand the concept of it until um, kind of later in, in my testimony where, where God ended up telling me he loves me in one of the most dirty places I ever felt in my life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how God works, and it seems like he's this master at picking that 11th hour when it seems like there's no hope. He's like, oh, wait, there's hope. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so we'll go uh, forward a little bit, and um, this is in the uh, testimony you shared on the uh, um, the form that you sent over to us, uh, talking about the uh, the accident when you were seventeen. Um, how much of that do you want to yeah. share, and uh, uh, how did that, that have an impact on your life? Yeah, so um, I was in high school, and you know, at, on the outside, like things looked really good. <laughs> you know, I was a pretty popular kid. I was a prom queen. You know, I kind of had things all together. It looked like, but to be honest, I I was really struggling. Like I was struggling with the performance thing. I was struggling with, you know, the idea that that of God even and church just was unappealing. Um, but I had gone on a mission trip, and and kind of. I saw an aspect of God where I'm like, okay, maybe I could do this, right? And so I started praying. And one night I prayed and I was I was crying. I remember this. I prayed because um, I was reading Philippians. I was reading about Paul's life. And I was like, God, if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be a Christian like Paul who can praise you in any moment, in any, like, that's real faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, literally the next day, I was driving on my way to school and I got in a serious car accident where another person ended up dying. And, um, man, it, it ruined me Mm. as a 17 year old. And it was, I mean, the most, the most earth shattering thing I I had ever experienced. And because when you look death in the face, you know, something marks you. Right. And, um, yeah, it just flipped my world upside down. So, um, after that day, you know, I, I really struggled because I had just kind of refreshed my faith. And literally the next day, this thing happens. And I remember going home and I was praying. I was like, God, do a miracle. Like, I believe in you. I was praying so hard. I remember, like, <laughs> throwing up in my bathroom. I was so, like, mm. so hopeful really and um to get the news that this person ended up dying uh it just really made me question who god was like is he good like does he does he care you know and um that year i went through you know a crazy depression and uh a lot of ptsd flashbacks and nightmares and i remember i would cry myself to sleep every single night and and I'd wake up and I, and I would look in the mirror and I just would hate who I saw. Like I didn't see this 17 year old girl that had the world before her. Like I actually looked in the mirror and I, and I saw a criminal, like I saw a murderer, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I really struggled with 
self-hatred at, at the craziest level you could imagine. I'm sure. And, and it, it's, it's very typical of how the enemy hears, oh, she's say, saying this prayer like, God, let me be like Paul. And then the enemy finds a way to try to bring you back down, thinking that he's going to tear you down. But your story shows that you may have fallen, but you got right back up. And where God lifted you back up. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I got it. <laughs> Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. After all this, you're battling um, you know, depression and uh, trying to uh, uh, numb the pain, I think, through uh, alcohol and other things. How did you get relief? How did you break free from, from that cycle of, of self-hatred, of blaming yourself for the accident and everything like that? How did God finally break through that door for you? Yeah, yeah. So like you said, um, you know, I'm 17. I didn't have I didn't have an idea of how to cope with this kind of pain. So I, I ran to alcohol because not because I, you know, I, honestly, I just wanted to escape from reality. That was the, that was the biggest thing. And I was like, okay, this is the way that I could do it. And um, yeah, one day I ended up just drinking um, way too much. And my parents found me the next morning, passed out on my basement floor. And uh, they had no idea what had happened and they called 911 and I was airlifted to multiple hospitals actually until I landed in Mayo Clinic and uh, I was in a coma with alcohol poisoning and the doctors told my parents you know we don't know if she's going to make it and uh, my parents just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and two days later I woke up and uh, man every time I talk about it, I can hear that heart rate monitor in the background but I remember waking up and having this moment in the hospital bed where I, it was like I heard the audible voice of God saying, you know, Danae, I love you the same on your worst days as your best days. And it was so marking for me because, you know, I didn't want anything to do with God at that point in my life. Like, it was like we were running this race and I was booking it one direction, but he was just hauling it after me. Like he was mm -hmm. not going to let me go. And I remember thinking like, man, if he could want me, like when I have nothing to give and when I feel like I'm just a burden, when I feel like I'm an inconvenience, like 
it was the first time I felt like love in a way where I didn't have anything to give in return. And, um, that was the love that I fell in love with, so to say. <laughs> and it was from that moment in the hospital bed where I said, okay, God, if my days don't belong to you, then they don't mean anything to me. And that is when I, I would say I truly like found God and, and got to know him as he truly is and got to know what it actually means to be unconditionally loved you know, love when you don't have anything to give, love when you don't have anything to offer, love when you're an inconvenience or you're a burden or all these other ideas, you know. Um, and it was kind of, honestly, from there, um, in an uphill, an uphill battle a little bit. I won't say, like, overnight everything got easy. That would be pretty naive. But I will say um, it was a choice to walk with hope because, as soon as I left the hospital room, I was walking right back into everything that brought me there. Mm -hmm. I couldn't change my, my history. You know, I couldn't change my family. I couldn't change the toxic relationships around. Like there were all these circumstances that were waiting for me the minute that I got out of that hospital room. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I determined in my mind, I said, you know what? I am not going to be a victim to my circumstances. It says in the Bible that we are overcomers. So I'm going to be a powerful person and I am going to be an overcomer and I'm going to choose to walk with hope. And I love Psalms 23 when it talks about, you know, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because it's a win. It's like, it's going to happen. It's not a surprise. First Peter says, you know, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that's upon you right now, you know? And so it's like, okay, I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of the death. But, but there's another really important word in that verse. And it's when I walk through, like, you, we don't have to camp out there. And I think that's what I kept telling myself is I don't have to camp out here. I don't have to build my house in the valley. Like, I'm walking through this thing. There's hope knowing where you're going, right? And right. so I had my eyes set on the hope that was set before me. And I said, you know what, this is a, this is a momentary thing. And I'm going to be walking and there's going to be a table with a feast set before my enemies. And I'm going to that table and I don't care how long it takes me to get there. But my eyes are set on that table. And so I think that's kind of what brought me out of um, depression and all of those other kind of symptoms, even all my PTSD symptoms are completely gone. Now I don't struggle with addiction. I don't struggle with depression. And um, it's just been amazing to see that journey and um, just what hope can do. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And I've never heard anybody mention that before about the 23rd Psalm. As I walk through the valley, it means that there's progress because you're walking through, meaning that there's a beginning and an end to that valley. And I think mm -hmm. that that's something that people don't really think about is that we're going to walk through those trials and tribulations, the, the win, but you go through it. You don't stay there. So I think that's a really important point. I just wanted to reiterate that here uh, for anybody listening that we will face trials and tribulations, but we will be going through them. We won't be living in them for eternity. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's a game changer. <laughs> that's, that's really a, is a very impressive thought that I, I I'm, just kind of floored that I've never even heard or thought about that before, but you go through it. You're not living there permanently. So that's a really cool thought. 
Um, so thank you for sharing that part and uh, sharing your testimony. So you've gone through all this. You, you've uh, been to that moment where God, God saw you at your lowest and still said that he loved you and helped deliver you from all this depression and self-hate. Where or how soon after that did you decide that you needed to tell your story and start telling people um, that there's hope? Yeah, this was terrifying for me. <laughs> um, this was totally terrifying for me. So um, <laughs> the thing about this is while I was going through all that depression, you know, in that season, I was my senior year of high school. I didn't tell a soul because mm -hmm. I felt like I was like, I'm going to be a burden. Like I'm already a burden. Like I don't want people, you know, I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm, you know, looked at as like a leader in youth group. And it just felt like it was impossible for me to be vulnerable. And after, you know, coming out of a hospital and being in this, you know, really raw state, I kind of made it a, made it a job to myself. Maybe not a job is a bad word, but I, I kind of made a promise to myself of like, you know what, I, I'm going to just be real. Like if God loves me how I am, like, why am I trying to be someone that I'm not in front of other people? And um, so when I went to college, I went to college like a month after I came out of the hospital and I went to this private Christian college. And this was honestly terrifying for me because it, I feel like in, in a lot of those church environments, people don't feel the freedom to, to just be them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I, I made that a promise. I said, I'm not going to fake it. And so I, I went to, to this college and I was really raw and really real with people. And let me tell you, it was not accepted in a lot of places. And um, it took me a long time to find friends. And for a while, I kind of felt like the, the campus side project. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, it taught me how to be me, even if people don't accept it and how right. to be honest with my honest with my process even if it's embarrassing or you know even if no one else is being real with it and it was a really important lesson because um that is what is it i think mobilized me to be able to speak about things today and and, and be brave and be vulnerable vulnerable and be real and and release other people to be real and vulnerable with where they're at i'm sure that that uh, training ground also gave you that fearlessness to know that regardless of what the majority thinks, there's going to be that one person that needs to hear what I have to say and that one person that I can make a difference in their life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally I totally remember the first moment that, you know, I did share and someone came up to me and, and they, uh, you know, they just shared like, wow, like I resonated so much. That meant the world. And, and I don't know that it was like that moment where I was like, whoa, like actually God can use this. Like actually this marked someone. And, and if it was just for that one person, even if my whole life, if it was just for that one person, for someone to feel like, oh, okay, God can love me too, then awesome. I could die happy, you know, even at this point, if it was just one person. Because again, it's that same phrase, like that soul is just as important and valuable as my soul. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's not, it's not about the masses, you know, it really is, is the one, you know? Absolutely. 
Well, Danae, I, I really, I love your story and it's incredible. Uh, your uh, website is uh, DanaeZiegel.com, uh, spelled D-A-N-E-A-Z-E-I-G-L-E.com, and we'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, you're a speaker, you're a, a fitness coach, and you do a lot of different things. So it's, uh, you're uh, definitely a very busy uh, uh, woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to be busy for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, as we end our interviews, one thing I uh, we do on the Gift Schooler podcast, we do the interrogation, which is seven quick questions, uh, things that we probably haven't covered yet, uh, just to kind of get to know you better and also to just uh, see what comes off the top of your head. Um, most Ooh, of them are most of them okay. are fun, but some of them may dig a little deep. So, uh, you know, whatever the honest answer is, uh, uh, feel free to share. And if there's something I ask that you prefer not to answer, that's fine too. So, okay, um, awesome. The uh, first question is uh, favorite ice cream. Mm, easily, mint chocolate chip. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> I won't go. Uh, I won't vote against that one. All right, uh, number two. <laughs> Uh, your favorite type of music and uh, your uh, favorite artist currently? Ooh, honestly, I really love like chill music. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older now, but uh, I really love like a Coldplay style music. Um, and I, for worship, I really love like Will Reagan. Wow, so good. Okay, very nice. All right, what's your uh, biggest fear in life? Mm, biggest fear. You know, I think that I think that my biggest fear would probably be uh not not feeling like a place of belonging. Mm. Um you know, it's, it's hard when we live in the world that we live in, you know, cuz cuz it says, you know, we're not citizens of the world, we're citizens of heaven, but I really believe every every person truly wants to belong where they are and every person truly seeks connection and and belonging and uh, being accepted for who they are. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. All right, question number four. Uh, your favorite moment so far uh, as a speaker or um, as a coach? As a mm. Honestly, I love speaking to youth groups. <laughs> They're so fun. Like, I, I still feel like such a kid at heart. And so, um, I, and I love the rowdy kids cause I get them. Like I was totally that kid that, you know, my youth group pastor actually would tell me like he would dream of kicking me out of Sunday school. Like <laughs> he like, I was like a difficult kid. And so there's times where I all go speak at, um, youth groups with some, some difficult kids that just are really loud and rowdy. And, um, I just banter back and forth with them and, you know, they feel so loved and we're, we're just besties by the end of it. And it's usually those kids that I get to sit down and have really deep and meaningful connections with afterwards. And those are probably some of my favorite moments because I, I look in that kid's eyes and I see, you know, see a little me in them and I love it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, question number five, uh, biggest regret. Oh, biggest regret. You know, that's a hard one because it's, I kind of look back and I see so many dumb moments that I've like done just dumb things. And, um, but you know, I see, I see what I learned from it and I see where God's taken me as a result from it. And so I don't think I would have a regret, um, 
in a, in a serious manner, but I will say my mom is Mexican and I never learned any Mexican dishes in the kitchen. And to this day, I'm a terrible cook. So I would go back and I would learn some amazing Mexican recipes. That's what I would do. Okay. Awesome. Uh, who are your current influences in uh, uh, your ministry or in your faith um, outside of, obviously of the uh, scripture? Yeah, I um I really love Justin and Abby Stumble. They're some life consultants um and a, they do a lot around emotional wholeness and emotional health and you know com- being a person that's come out of trauma, um I just really resonate with a lot of their messaging. Mm-hmm. And I really love that they're concerned about not only like healing healing um people's lives spiritually but healing people's lives emotionally i really believe god came to set us free from from everything that's including you know physical ailments spiritual ailments and you know emotional pain so um i really believe that they're really after wholeness and and that's something i'm after too so i really am pretty influenced by them okay awesome final question outside of what you're doing now what would be your dream job uh to do for a living oh Dream job to do for a living. I would love to do do more work with teens. I did a lot of work with um, at-risk teens in the past and just fell in love with it. And so I would love to be able to honestly provide a camp experience for teens that's really, like, amazing, but specifically for um, urban kids because I think there's a lack of that and a lack mm-hmm. of finances for them to be able to do that and to do it really well. That's the other side of it. So I would love to provide an awesome summer camp experience for urban teenagers. That's like amazing, incredible, and just done really well. And um, yeah, have a lot of Jesus and a lot of fun and a lot of dancing and good food. That sounds great. Well, Danae, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I'm, I'm really glad we were able uh, to connect and uh, that you reached out because uh, it's been a real fun conversation and I, I love what you're doing. I love your passion. And it's easy to hear your passion uh, to share God's love with uh, a multitude of people, especially the teens. So just uh, thank you for uh, being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. Awesome. Well, again, the uh, the website is DanaeZiegel.com. Uh, it's in the show notes. So be sure to uh, check out her webpage, uh, follow her public page on uh, Facebook. And uh, she's got a heart and a passion to speak and share God. Uh, so bring her out to your youth event uh, or anything else that, uh, that you need uh, somebody with passion and uh, a great story to tell. Uh, so, Danae, uh, again, thank you very much. And uh, we pray blessings over your ministry and uh, more opportunities for you to uh, get out there and uh, tell the God story. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. This is amazing. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.